My name is Joel Lingenfelter. I'm the executive pastor here at LEFC, and it is awesome to be with you this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to open it to Luke chapter 1. If you do not, please put your hand up, and our ushers will be happy to give you one. You can also use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet. There is an events tab, and if you click on that, you will see Lancaster Evangelical Free Church listed. Uh, and if you click on that, you'll get all the, the scriptures that we'll use this morning. Okay, so let's open to Luke chapter 1. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, when we talk about the book of Luke around Christmas time, we love to talk about chapter 2. All the, even Alex earlier, all the press goes to chapter 2. But, but Dr. Luke, when he was writing this, he had some things that he wanted to say ahead of Luke 2. And we're going to take a little bit of time and, uh, and see what's there this week. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about Zechariah. And Zechariah was a, a man of God, a priest. He was chosen to be in the Holy of Holies. And when he was in the Holy of Holies, an angel appeared to him. Now this was something that quite frankly surprised him, something that they, he'd been looking forward to, right? The, God had been silent for about 400 years, and all of a sudden he shows up, and he has a message for Zechariah. And how did Zechariah respond? Right? He questioned God's messenger, like, well, how do I know this is really going to happen? I mean, that sounds cool and all, but... Uh, and Gabriel, I think, in what was probably a, a very frustrating moment, just looked at him like, did you really just ask me that? Right? Like, because I stand in the presence of the Almighty God, and I have been sent straight here to tell you this. I, I think that was um, kind of the ultimate, do you have any idea who I am moment? <laughs> right? Uh, but unlike uh, self-important celebrities, Gabriel had real power and real authority. Um, <clears throat> so, today, let's talk about a very different response, right? Let's talk about somebody who also received exciting, impossible news from an angel and how she responded. Six months after his appearance to Zechariah, the angel Gabriel again makes a visit to proclaim a miraculous birth. But this time, rather than meeting with a priest in the Holy of Holies, he visits a young woman named Mary in the town of Nazareth. So let's take a look at the text as we begin, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good opener, right? That's a nice hello. Um, but it really does, it's quite a statement coming from an angel. And, and the first thing it causes us to stop and reflect is say, what did Mary do to deserve being highly favored? Now, the answer might surprise you because it's absolutely nothing, right? Mary is every bit as undeserving of the favor of God as you and I are. 
Now, we don't know a lot about Mary up to this point, other than that Luke may have given us her uh, family tree and the fact that she's a maiden. She's a young woman, she's unmarried, and she's pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, the idea of a human carrying a, Je- carrying a Jesus, carrying Jesus in her womb, is pretty mind-blowingly incredible, right? And, and the desire to understand why God would bless her in this way is what has created so many interesting theories about who she was and what made her worthy. But Scripture puts the choice of Mary on the will of God, something that humans have always struggled to understand. We can go all the way back to Moses. When Moses was in the presence of God, in Exodus 33 we read this, And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See, God chooses who he will bless. So Mary was not sinless. She wasn't perfect. She hadn't earned the privilege of being the mother to Jesus. You know, if it was about character, if it was about works, Zechariah and Elizabeth, like, they're way ahead of Mary in this line. They've served God for a lifetime, both of them being in their 60s, right? Mary is a teenager. Zechariah is a priest in the line of Aaron. He knows scriptures backwards and forwards. He's a holy man. Mary's a young woman who probably couldn't read. Zechariah and Elizabeth are described in Luke 1.6 as righteous, with exemplary behavior and character. Mary is not described this way. It's not about Mary. It's about God. But it was Mary that was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. She was given the most incredible opportunity in the history of mankind to feel the physical presence of God inside her as Jesus grew in her womb over nine months. See, Mary didn't earn God's favor. She didn't gain it by being perfect or without sin. She was given favor because God chose her. Mary was chosen for a once-in-human-history opportunity, and God continues to choose people to accomplish his will without them being perfect or blameless. See, God's chosen me to be a pastor. He's chosen my wife to raise our children. He's chosen my friend to be a mechanic. He's chosen my friends to own businesses, to be builders, to put in windows, to do all sorts of things, right? In each one of these things, we have been called to a role that we have. Whether your influence is in your home, your neighborhood, your school, your work, your motorcycle riding buddies, right, your bungee jumping group, whatever it is, like whatever relational world you have, God has given you influence there that you can make disciples of those that know Jesus and share Christ with those that do not. Now, the Greeks had a really easy way to describe it. It was one word. Anybody know what it is? Oikos, right? The first service laughed. I don't know if that just meant they didn't know, they were nervous. Oikos, exactly, right? That relational world. God has a role for you in his kingdom, and you don't have to be perfect first before you say yes to that role. In fact, if any of us were perfect, we wouldn't be able to relate to the people that we're called to serve, right? 
Every one of us is called to have an impact in the world, one Oikos member at a time. So let's keep reading to see what we can learn from how Mary responded. As we saw, Gabriel greets her as you who are highly favored. Now, this is a pretty great greeting, but coming from an angel, that's going to create a lot of questions. So many, in fact, that Mary was, quote, greatly troubled, according to our text. Now, I always thought that was kind of funny. Like, when was the last time you said, wow, I am greatly troubled? Right? Like, that's just not really language that we used. And, and what I think is kind of cool is when we look in Greek, it actually gets easier to understand. The word is distrasso. Oh, distressed. Like, that makes sense. That's easy. We, we use that. Um, <clears throat> so the greeting, you who are highly favored, it was not met with pride by Mary. Right? She wasn't proud, like, yep, that's me. Got it. Uh, but rather it distressed her. It troubled her. It scared her. Mary, from the first contact with Gabriel, was humble. She did not deserve to be called highly favored by God, and it frightened her. But Gabriel's response, Gabriel's response is what we see from God over and over and over again in Scripture. Don't be afraid. See, God is to be feared, but he doesn't rule through fear. God wants us to fear and respect him but not live afraid of him. He extends grace to us. He extends love to us. And he wants us to respond in love. He tells us not to be afraid because our fear in our humility is enough. Gabriel's words are words of comfort. Do not be afraid. Now, just as we don't use the word greatly troubled all that often, we, we really don't use the word favor very often either, other than if we're asking for a favor. But the word here is one that, that you've heard before in other contexts, and that is it's a Greek word, and the word is charis. And charis is also translated to mean grace. An unexpected gift or an unearned gift. Pardon. You know, I love pardon because... Someone who receives pardon is absolutely undeserving, right? And every one of us is undeserving, including Mary. Undeserving of the grace, the favor, the gift that God has given her. Karis has explained really well in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, For it is by grace, Karis, you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God lavished Charis on Mary, and he extends the same to us. We don't deserve it any more than she did, but God gives it to us just the same. It is for us to accept the gift and respond appropriately. And this is the key question, right? What is an appropriate response to grace that is greater than all of our sins. Have you ever been completely blown away by, your, uh, by a gift? So much so you say things that maybe embarrass you later. It's like when a child asks for a puppy and he gets a puppy for Christmas, right? What's the next thing that he promises? I'll walk it every day. I'll feed it. I'll clean it. I'll take care of it, right? Because so excited by the gift. And then the next day it's raining. I don't really want to go walking in the rain, right? 
right? Or drop the dew in the middle of everything. I don't want to deal with that. Mom, right? Like, it's always mom that gets to clean that stuff up, right? So, like, that, that gift just overwhelms. Or, or maybe, but it's really, it's better than that, right? Grace is better than that. It's like that 16-year-old given a Ferrari as a first car. Now, a really bad choice, first of all, right? But, but he'll promise to wash it and wax it every day because it's so incredible. But then, you know what? That takes time and it takes effort. But, but again, that falls short. It's better than that. It's like that, that first-year music student, and they're given a Stradivarius. A Stradivarius. One of the finest instruments ever created in the history of mankind. And they know, I am not up to that instrument. I got to practice every single day for 12 hours every day to try to get my skill up to be worthy of that, right? That's how unworthy we are of God's grace, but he gives it to us anyway. That even pales in comparison to God's grace. This is who God is. This is what God extended to Mary. Caris overflowing, grace and favor and love. And she would carry, give birth to, and be the mother to Jesus. So let's continue with our passage today because Gabriel has more to say to Mary than just that she's favored by God. Let's continue in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now this is one of those things that when we do get around to reading Luke chapter 1, it's usually to cover this story, and we've read it so many times, we just sort of blaze right through it. And we never stop and think about Mary. Mary, a maiden, a virgin, a young woman, a teenager. Before this moment, what are her concerns? Right? Being in my home, good relationship with mom and dad and siblings, serving where I'm asked to serve, doing the things that I'm called to do. I hope someday to be married, and, and in fact, I am engaged to be married to Joseph. Like, this is Mary's life. Now, think about yourself when a big change is set in motion. Let's say moving out of your parents' house or going off to college, right, or, or even going from middle school to high school. Maybe getting a new job or losing a job, getting engaged, buying a house, changing houses, losing a relative, right? All of these things, they, they create a tremendous disruption in our lives. Now imagine that you've been told that God's going to do something impossible through you. You're going to have a child through the Holy Spirit even though you are a virgin. Now, a million questions are going to go through your mind at that moment, right? And they're not all good questions. Like, what are my parents going to think? What's Joseph going to think? Right? There was a Reader's Digest article years and years and years ago about a, a, a pageant that kids were putting on in front of the church. And at the very last minute, they changed it from King James to something that was a little more understandable. 
And up to this point, they had been reciting their lines, but it didn't really sink in. And then the narrator says, and Mary was found to be pregnant. And Joseph went, pregnant? What do you mean pregnant? Right? That is really more accurate than what he was supposed to say, right? Because I guarantee you, Joseph did not expect this, right? And even it says she, he meant to divorce her quietly, right? This was, this was unexpected. This was difficult. This was going to create a lot of questions in so many people. How am I going to explain this? How is this even going to happen? And so Mary asked the obvious question. How can this happen when I've never known a man. Now, notice what she didn't do. She didn't challenge Gabriel's authority like Zachariah did. It wasn't like, but that's impossible. She asked, how is this going to work? Specifically, how will this happen? Not how can it happen, not that's impossible. Uh, How will this happen? See, she's already signaled her acceptance of his message in her response. Mary responded to the Lord in humility. That is life reimagined. Let's continue in verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Despite all of the unknowns, Despite all of the difficulty ahead, Mary is humble and obedient. Mary knew right away that this was from the Lord. One of the things, I've encountered people who have had encounters with individuals that may or may not be angelic, but I've never met anyone who was visited by Gabriel. And I imagine is pretty overwhelming, right? So if you think back, we talked about Moses ever so briefly earlier. Moses was up on the mountain, and when he came down, what happened in relationship to the other people? Everyone was afraid of him because his face was so bright that they couldn't stand to even look at him, and they were terrified. Like, what happened to him? If you remember that story, Moses was not exposed to the full glory of God. Gabriel stands in the throne room. Gabriel is going to give off a little bit of light, right? And and that's one of those things that I think is easy just to miss because we roll right on past this. When I was asking Megan for an image here, I said, look, I don't want to see a guy in a white robe with little wings on his back because that is so insignificant compared to what it would feel like to be in, to encounter Gabriel. Gabriel came straight from God's throne room to Nazareth, and I imagine the light was more than just a little subtle. Now for us, because we're talking about what we can learn here, we do need to be careful when we hear from the Lord 
to be sure that we're hearing from the Lord. And thankfully, Scripture gives us some direction on to, as what to do. In 1 John 4, 1, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do we test the spirits? Well, for us, we look to Scripture. We seek godly counsel. We pray about what we've heard. But let's get back to our text today. We're looking at Mary's response to the word of the Lord. And it's important that we don't miss the message that she was given. Gabriel says to her, he will be great and who will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now this language is not accidental. This language is not trivial. An angel using the words Holy One has great significance. See, holy means absolute moral perfection. Freedom from moral evil. The phrase Holy One, is, it occurs frequently in Scripture over and over again referring to God. Don't miss the message. God is sending his son, the Holy One, to become flesh. But there's more than that. He says that he will hold the throne of David forever. Now this is significant because Israel's promised Messiah is a king in the line of David. Jesus is that king and the angel is telling her he will never relinquish that throne. There can be no argument here, according to Gabriel, as to who Jesus is and what he came to do. He is the Messiah. No one else will ever hold the throne of the King of David because he's never going to relinquish it. This is it. The greatest news in the history of the world has just been delivered to a teenager in Nazareth. Don't miss the message. Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One of Israel, the Lamb of God, the incarnate Word of God will be born to Mary. This is big, big news. Now that's a lot to take in, right? Mary has just been given incredible news, impossible news, things that are going to change her life and indeed the world forever, but there's more to say. Gabriel has told her that her cousin Elizabeth is pregnant despite being impossibly old to be pregnant. Now, it's easy to miss what just happened here. When Zechariah was told that Elizabeth would be pregnant, he didn't believe it. He didn't believe that God would do this miracle and he was silenced for a season as a result of his disbelief until he came into conformity with the Lord. Mary heard, Mary believed. And then Gabriel gave her a way to back up his story. Like, look, I've told you some things that as you reflect on this, they're going to be pretty hard to believe. But here's what you can know for sure. I said that your, your cousin would be pregnant and she's six months pregnant by this point. It's pretty easy to verify. You just look. Right? Um, I'm not pregnant. 
But um, <clears throat> you just look. You can see. And, and so he's told her something that's gone on, something that's miraculous, and given her a way to verify. Now, Mary's no doubt reeling for everything that happens, that's gone on, and counsel is the next thing she needs. And who better to talk to than someone else who's received a miracle from God? Elizabeth. She needs to talk to Elizabeth. And verse 39 tells us exactly that. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, when we say she went from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea, most of us probably don't know how far that is, right? Like, is Nazareth right next to the hill country of Judea? Is it like really far, like Lidditz all the way to Akron? Or is it, is it further than that? So uh, church tradition tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in Hebron. Hebron's about 100 miles from Nazareth. Now here in Lidditz, we're 75 miles from Nazareth, Pennsylvania, right? But, but we are about 100 miles from D.C., now, D.C. in 2018, 100 miles is not that big of a deal. We've gone there for a movie, right? Like, like going to D.C., driving 100 miles, yeah, okay. But in Mary's time, the roads are cart paths at best, right? They are, they are rocky, they're narrow, they are treacherous. And if you think forward to when Jesus talks about the Good Samaritan, the roads are not safe. This is a very difficult journey to go 100 miles to see Elizabeth. Another thing is that Mary and Elizabeth are not exactly sending text messages to each other, right? Like she hasn't seen the ultrasound on Snapchat. This is not what's going on. It's, they live 100 miles apart, and it's been six months. It's very possible Mary has not heard from Elizabeth in years, doesn't even know if Elizabeth is alive, let alone that, let alone that she's pregnant, right? But Gabriel has told her that she is. And so when Mary heard from the Lord, she made preparations to leave and go see her immediately. Now, these preparations couldn't have been trivial. She had to find someone to travel with. She didn't walk 100 miles by herself down a treacherous road. She's pregnant, right? How many of you want to walk 100 miles when you're pregnant? First of all, you need a lot of ice cream and pickles, right? It's a long walk. You're going to be tired frequently, and it's not going to be safe. What's often overlooked in this verse as we blaze right on by is that this trip in and of itself is an act of genuine faith on Mary's part. And then it gets even better. Let's pick it up in verse 40. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary didn't have to say a single word 
to Elizabeth about what was going on. She walked in the door, and God went to work. The first thing that happens is John leaping in the womb to be in the presence of Jesus, right? That's got to be pretty exciting. And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes knowledge that she had no way to know. Mary heard from Gabriel and walked to Hebron. She was not appearing to be pregnant. She was not showing. There would be no way for her to know. But the Holy Spirit has told her what is going on, and she's proclaiming it in a loud voice. It's not like they whispered together and and started sharing secrets. She's literally at the top of her lungs pronouncing that Mary is pregnant, something that would be pretty easy to disprove at some point if she was not, and that she carries the Lord. What an incredible moment that was. Think about it from Mary's perspective. You've been visited by an angel. You're a virgin. You've been told that you're now pregnant and you're going to bear a child. You've also been told that your 60-year-old cousin is pregnant You walk or maybe ride in a cart a hundred miles on those words, and when you arrive, not only do you have to explain that you're pregnant without ever having known a man, but she does it for you. She announces your pregnancy to all who will hear. That's a pretty amazing, amazing event. So what can we learn from Mary? When God asked the near impossible of Zechariah, He responded by questioning God's ability to answer prayer. And then God silenced him until he obeyed. When God asked the impossible of Mary, she responded with, may your word to me be fulfilled. When God asked the impossible of Mary, she packed up and took an arduous journey to see her cousin Elizabeth. So when God asks us to do something, Do we do the hard work, or do we say that's impossible and give up easily? So when God asks you the impossible, how will you respond? Will you be open, will your heart be open to his call, or will you question his ability to deliver on his promises? When God asks the improbable of you, how will you respond? Will your heart be open to his call, or will you go your own way? When God asks the difficult of you, how will you respond? Will your heart be open to his call, or will you claim it's too hard for you and tell him to go find someone else? What about when God asks the mundane of you? Will your heart be open to his call, Or will you tell him to come back with something more interesting? See, we don't know and we can't know what God will ask us to do. But we can prepare our hearts to be open to whatever he brings us and to answer when he calls. So when God asks, how will you respond? Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, What a glorious, glorious day we read about. What an incredible event when when the angel Gabriel comes from your throne room 
to Mary's home. Lord, we thank you for the message that was delivered, the greatest news in the history of the world. For none of us is righteous. All of us are caught in our sin. But you, Lord, you did something different. You sent your Son. You became flesh. You dwelt among us. Lord, thank you for for how you did this, for what you have done. Thank you for Mary and her incredibly humble and obedient response. Thank you for the word that you've given us, that we can read this, that we can understand, that we can see and testify to your goodness over and over and over again. Lord, thank you for the calling that you put on our lives. Thank you for the the oikos, the relational world that you've put us in. Thank you for each person that you have called us to share the gospel with. Thank you for each person that you have called us to, to point to Jesus. Lord, thank you for the way that you have shaped our lives, for the influence that you've given us and others, and thank you for those that have influenced us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And thank you for this incredible season as we celebrate the birth of the Christ child. Lord, you are good, you are holy, you are mighty, and you are awesome, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was praying about this sermon, I kept hearing one refrain. Don't miss the message. If you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, I want to pass that word to you. Don't miss the message. God sent Jesus for the redemption of the lost. And every one of us is lost because of our sin. We are unable to be in the presence of God. We have fallen short of his glory. But while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this. Christ died for us. He took my sin and your sin and he made it his own. Jesus is that perfect sacrifice that allows us to be righteous before God. If we accept Jesus to be that sacrifice for us, doing it is easy. It starts by admitting that you are a sinner, that I am a sinner. From there, it's believing that Jesus came and that he died for your sins. And finally, it's choosing to follow him. If you don't know him, you are missing out on the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. You are missing out on the best news in the history of the world. Please take some time today to consider giving your life to Christ. After Elizabeth proclaimed the truth of what had happened and what glorious thing was going on with Mary, Mary responds with something we call Mary's song. Would you stand with me as we hear these words to conclude today? And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones 
but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What glorious news she received. Please go in peace this week. Enjoy the season. We'll see you next Sunday.